Jamie McKenney. And I am definitely Peter Smith. Thanks for joining us. Whoever's listening, it is lovely to think that you're actually involved in listening to our podcast because it kind of feels weird that people are doing because for me and Pete, we're just kind of sat in our kitchen wondering whether anybody in the whole universe is interested in what really is going on in our lives. But for those of you who might be voyeurs like me, thank you. It's really nice to know that something we're saying is resonating with you. We actually, uh, we saw that we have listeners in Australia, which is I know. fun. It's, actually, yeah. quite a few people have got in yeah. touch. It's really nice. Yeah, We're so loving it. If you're driving along in your car now, going to work, listening to our podcast. Concentrate fully on yeah. the road. G'day. Oh, it's like... <laughs> Can't do that, can I? I did, I did do that. Oh, God, but... he's doing it again. It's like, no more impressions, Pete. <laughs> We're having like a bloody impression. Well, I sound of... like a cockney anyway when I do the Australian you sound, accent. You so... do sound like something like that, but yeah. it's not a cockney. So you've been to Australia, I haven't. I, I lived in Australia, it was great. Mm. In fact, that kind of neatly brings me on to my existential crisis. I know. I'm having an existential crisis at the moment. For any of you out there who doesn't know what an existential crisis means, it basically means a crisis of meaning, a crisis of being. Generally, a crisis, it might be a breakdown, I'm not sure yet, but it's definitely, definitely a crisis of some sort. It's a horrible situation where I have realised that I'm no longer young. I know. Like, how has that happened? It's funny because we all go through it, don't we? You haven't. You're coping fine. Yeah, but am I coping fine? Have I hit that yet? I'm I'm just putting it behind. I'm hiding it in (laughs) a box. What are you saying? (laughs) 18 months older than you. That like, I'm not there ever. I'm way younger. Listen, you're only 26, all right? Oh, it's so sad. It's so sad. Anybody who's listening to this now, you might be young. And my advice to you, if you are young, you know, if you're under 35, then just make the most of every moment. Like, never say no to things that you're afraid of. Do as many crazy things as you can entertain. Take risks, dream big, and just drip every last drop out of life because honestly you get to later on and you're thinking to yourself wow whilst I have done a lot with my life I'll still want to do so much and I'm like wait a minute how can I want to do so much but one I've got like less years than I've ever had before and number two like I still want babies I've got two children I still want babies for anybody listening who's a middle-aged mum I'm at that stage where my children literally, if I, I love them so much and they are my entire world, but like the PlayStation is a bit more important than me and then probably their friends. And that's cool because that's exactly how it is, right, for kids? Mm -hmm. But it's like this massive baby-shaped hole in my life. I know. And then I'm like, but I can't have more children, maybe, because if I have more children and like they'll get less time than I can give my other kids, and then that's not fair. And there's another voice in my head going, like, you're 26, Emma, you know, which I'm clearly not. But that's the voice. And it's going, ah, oh, you can do this forever. You'll be 105. You'll die when you're 105. You know, this ridiculous voice, the same voice in my head that used to get me into awful trouble when I was a kid. You know, do it. Go ahead and do it. Try it. Try it. It'll be fine. You know, that's the same voice yeah. well isn't it a fact that we are all living longer now apparently if you have babies when you're older you live to over 100 more commonly right yeah so yeah. that might be worth doing yeah 
We but might I... come up with a pill that keeps us alive till 500, you know? I don't want to live till 500. We watched a film the other day, didn't we? That time... I don't want to live till 500, but just no, intimidate. Like... Like... Yeah, just in time. time. Time out or something, was it? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, time's up. Well, time was currency or something. Yeah, oh, the thing about time, though, is that's the other thing that really annoys me, because time is just like a completely man-made concept. We've talked about this yeah, before. I know. Man-made concept, right. And the eyes that you see through are the eyes that you see through, and the people seeing the things around you at the same time are seeing exactly the same position, and yet for some reason you judge people based on what parameters their chronology is in. And I just kind of get I'm so pissed off with it mm. like particularly as a woman and you really as a woman become aware of the gender difference between men and women like you can't help it and any woman listening to this will absolutely know what I mean because you just have all these classic characteristics that are given to men you know like silver fox and looks really dignified yeah, and older that. men you can see them when I t- talk to people about relationship work and you'll work with women who are like maybe in the 50s and they'll be moaning to me about the fact that when they go online, the only men who get in touch with them are like 70 because the men who are 50 are searching for 30-year-olds. Yeah. And it's just like kind of normalized that women should expect that men seem to think that an older woman, even if that parallels their age, is less attractive because of their age. And it, I know that this is really first world problems when you like think about the rest of the world, but I'm like, I want to be a kid again. I know, I would love to be a kid I again. I want to be a kid again. I know. Like, I want to do kid stuff. Would you like to go back with the knowledge that you have now or just go back without the knowledge that you have now? And well, start I mean, again obviously, with, if I could go back with the knowledge I had now, I'd be, definitely yeah, do that. I'd end up being like, <laughs> Massively you know, advanced. I'm going to be ruler of the world. <laughs> Let me tell you, I'd have started a national yeah. lottery. Yeah, I'll be <laughs> taking back. the first things that I've done. Yeah, I'll be taking back an almanac, a sports almanac. <laughs> I, would, I would just go back and reinvent everything that mm. was decent. Google, you know? Yahoo, yeah. Facebook. This woman's amazing. I mean, she's so diverse in her idea mm. base. Apple, Microsoft, she's IBM. Like, <laughs> What's that? The dice M? Yeah. The dice U- M. The, the Euro, Bitcoin, <laughs> dice M. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, I'd just go back Heinz and Heinz big M's, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I'd tell you what I'd do if I could go back and be young again. I'd travel for longer than I did. Because I travelled for like three years. Yeah. And... When I say that, please don't imagine it was some kind of middle-class adventure involving hotels. It was literally bargain basement. Mm. I stayed in the worst places ever. And there was no Instagram there, neither. So I lived you know. on nothing. I lived on nothing. I used to have three pieces of bread for my meal at night. And I used to have, like practice gratitude. So every single evening, I would eat three pieces of bread with jam. And I would say thank you and be like, thank you for this bread. And it was kind of like a really cool time. But I remember all the way around thinking to myself, oh my God if I don't go home at some point soon, I'm going to somehow have wrecked my career chances and won't get the opportunities that I yeah. need to get. And I look back now and I'm like, oh, I could well have done it. Like I should have gone to New York, you know? I should have tried more things. And it's not regretful because you can't fit it into your lifetimes, but I'm just going through an existential crisis where I'm like, what is it all about? Yeah. And then the inevitability of what is coming. Mm. I didn't... Um get the opportunity, yeah, probably my own fault really, not to go travelling. I never, I don't, you know what, I, just, I feel like I don't think I was pushed enough in certain areas, which I know which is, which is wrong really, because, you know, you've got to get your own agency and stuff. But I wish someone had said, why don't you go travelling? 
why don't you try this? Why don't you do that? You know, I never really had the option. No, I didn't see it there as an option. You know what I mean? It was it was not on the table for me. Yeah. Um, I didn't really look at it, and I just thought it was other people that did that, and they had the opportunities to do it. I never had any money enough really to to do it, and obviously I. I liked sort of women quite a bit, so they were just sort of... They were your priority, weren't they? Well, yeah. You dropped out of uni and everything because you were into girls. And you were like, oh, no, I'm having a relationship crisis. I'll have to just pack everything in to be with the girl. Oh, what a bell end. Don't worry about (laughs) it. I I moved to uni with my boyfriend. Yeah. You know, I was 18, like, and I knew everything, obviously. Moved in with a manic depressive. That was a great idea. Yeah. Just go ruin your three years at university with a manic depressive person who is really not well all of the time at a person, you know, time in your life where you have none of the coping strategies that you have when you're older. Yeah. That's the thing about relationships when you're young, though. That is something I wouldn't trade. Like, when you're young, your relationships are always, like, really high or really low, aren't they? Everything's, like, so massive. Everything is so big. You know, the tiniest of issues become magnified so hugely that it is the only thing of any value and importance. And mm. you look back now and you're like, what the, what was I on about? Yeah. Like, I think the education that we do to our kids at the moment, you know, when I sit down and you sit down with our boys, we're, like, just constantly reinforcing those messages, aren't they, we didn't get. And that's no discredit to my parents. You know, nobody used to talk like we talked to them when we were kids it just wasn't parenting styles but we literally will sit there and go listen if you ever want to do drugs don't just go and buy drugs yep. of some dealer that you don't know have a conversation with us of course like any mother or father out there I really hope that my kids find enough joy in the world without expanding and exploring those parameters around what they want to do with their recreational uses of whatever. I kind of hope that they'll just go, look, drugs aren't for me. I hope that they'll go, alcohol isn't really for me, you know? Mm. Because that's just being a parent. You just don't ever want your kids put in any danger or at any risk. But we always talk to them, right? It's the same with sex. We'll be like, you know what? If you want your girlfriends to stay over, as long as they're over 16, because we're going to stick with the law, that's the deal. Yeah, well, this is, you know what? There's a a huge difference in in the parenting that we do and some of the parents that I've had um, and seen in in, in sort of other families that I've, I've been around when I was younger. And I think when I was that age, it was, it is a huge gap from that age to, till you know, you know, and, and the, the conversations just never happened. And I think that even with, and even going on to like youth workers and stuff like that, I think all of that is just, I don't know if, I haven't done it for a few years now, but I still think it's quite still wrong. I think the way they approach people of that age from say 13 up to like 19, I think is completely wrong, you know, and the parenting sort of side of it as well is just, they're not having open conversations. You know, it's like when I do drugs, let's say when you do a youth work thing, which is, uh, I'm going off the sort of parenting vibe here, but you you do drugs talks, you know, and, and, it, and I was always just about telling them how bad it was and what, what it'll do to you and how it does it and, and how bad it is, you know, not an open conversation. Yeah, the problem like, is, though, that then people take ecstasy and have a great time and they're like, you all lied to us, mm. you know? That's the key, you yeah. know, like I don't Be pretend. honest, open, tell them what <clears throat> it will feel like, what it's going to do to you and it will make you feel good, but it's it's it's... And if you if they are going to take it, it's, it's a life balance. Don't let it take over your life. Don't let it, which it did for me. It took over my life, all that sort of scene, you know. Mm. And instead of balancing it out and having that scene alongside sort of working out my other side of my life 
Uh, I just wish that I people do, had you know? been honest with me when I was a kid. I wish I would instead of just uh, demonising shit. You but know not just I mean? that. I just wish that they'd been honest with me about so many things. Like, don't get me wrong, my mum and dad always used to talk about things like one-week wonders, and I've used that my entire life. <clears throat> like, yeah. if I'm sad, it's like, it's a one-week wonder. It's going to be okay. It's a one-week wonder. And there were kind of firm foundations of resilience that they taught me, and like, I have parents who make me feel safe and no matter how fractured I was when I was a kid because I was screwed up you know I was yeah. a mess I was a mess for a long time it was a mess I had an eating disorder I was completely chaotic I was chaotic you know I had absolutely no idea what I was doing where I was going I was really really struggling with my anxiety and the way I coped with that was to go and party and to escape and yeah. to run away and to avoid and to truant and all those things were part of my pain but I didn't necessarily know how to get guidance. And I used to go and see a psychologist because the school used to send me every week to a psychologist because basically I wasn't going into school. And they thought that was down to kind of like high anxiety, which to some degree it was, but most of it was just down to the fact that I really hated school. I just really hated it. I just wasn't engaged. It didn't feel right for me. I didn't feel like the education experience was a positive one. You know, I kind yeah. of just like really felt bored. But at the same time, I had this horrible harrowing anxiety, the fact that I was letting things slide. So like I didn't win on either side. You know, on one side, I had this horrendous anxiety because I wasn't doing what I should do. And on the other side, I was avoiding doing the very thing that would reduce my anxiety yeah. so it was like this mess and I used to go and see this psychologist every week and I look back at those sessions with him and like, he's a pretty well-known psychologist now in the field yeah and he had not got a clue he hadn't got a clue and I remember thinking like what are oh, you meant to be asking me in these sessions? I just ran rings around him, literally ran rings around him. And on reflection, at that period of time, if I had just had somebody sit down with me and tell me the truth, like tell me the truth about life and sit down and advise me about just going ahead and accepting that sometimes you're just not ready. You know, all it was for me was that I just hadn't worked some things out. You know, I needed to work things out better. And then once I'd done that, I was able to kind of find myself at university and it just changed my entire life. Bar moving in with the manic depressive boyfriend, still resonant of my bad mistakes. <laughs> no disrespect to anybody who's bipolar, by the way. What I'm saying is when you are 18 years old, taking on an unemployed individual with serious untreated mental health issues is something of a challenge when you have no resources to deal with it. Mm, but, it was. you know, looking back, I kind of just wish somebody had sat down and gone, sweetheart, you're really young. Mm. Like you're really, really young. That's why you don't know what you're doing. You're not meant to know what you're doing. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool that you don't know what well, you're this, doing. Yeah, this is what, you know, you, you realise when you get older, it's, it, you look back and you think, I didn't know what I was doing. No. I didn't know what I wanted. And for but, those but young people... But who was there going? No, no. Somebody should have been there. And that's why, I, don't get me wrong, I have the best parents in the world. But obviously, as you know, I had a really fractured relationship when I was growing up with mum and dad, just because of me, because of me. But I wish somebody had just gone. Why are you worried about all of this stuff? Okay, okay, your exams, they feel like a big deal. They feel like a big deal. But you know what? There's always a second chance. There's always a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance. There are chances, however you want to play it. Yeah. Just chill out. Just try to kind of enjoy now. Yeah. I was always worried about next week, next year, next 
you know, the next decade. Yeah. I was never kind of present and engaged. And so I think this like existential crisis that I'm going through now is based on the fact that when I look back, I was chasing the future for a very long time. And then when I found the present, which was probably a decade ago, I really started to enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, if I, what well, I would have, uh, think back now and I think if my parents would have said, look, we know that you like doing this, this sort of music and everything else around that sort of urban culture as you, as a youth worker say, it's called urban culture, you know, but it's not, it's just, it's just different culture of living, you know, but we don't mind you doing all that, yeah. but we'll support you when you want to, you know, but yeah. we want you, we're going to push you and say, look, let's balance it out. Make sure during the week we can help you get some agency to go and not, because what I was, I look back and I think I was, and still a bit, now you sometimes think I can't do that. I'm scared. Mm. I, I, if I can't do it, I'm scared. I'm, I won't want to try it because, you know. You don't want to fail. Yeah. Of course. And that's what it is. But if you don't. And that's, that's agency, isn't it? It's agency yeah. and, and sort of, and just think to yourself, I've just got to do it. Mm. Just do it. Everybody else is winging it. Everybody else is in the same boat, you know? And you do get those young people that have loads of agency, whether it's in the DNA or whether they've just been brought up that way by the parents. And I just wish that I'd been, not so much taught, but I wish I had more agency. I wish I'd have been around things, which had given me more. I, in hindsight, I, not in hindsight, but... You did a lot. Well, I, I should have, yeah. I mean, that was... I had a lot of agency for things I wanted to do, like, that interested well, me. Passion. But they always aired on the side of, like, the music and Getting the sport. High. And, well, before that, before I did all oh, that Oh, you did stuff, football, it was, didn't you? Yeah, but really was, good at football. I was a skater. I was, you know, yeah, and that was all the way through. No, you yeah. had loads of agency. Yeah, but I mean, as in sort of worky sort but of, I just think both you know, of us feel like we could have got more and then I don't know whether that's just like a reductive and counterproductive argument because at the end of the day like you can't do more with the past and I keep saying that to you I'm yeah. like I'm having this existential crisis <laughs> and it's so futile and annoying and the thing is in the day I don't feel it and it's one of those things that I will go to bed at night and we'll just be cuddling and chatting and laughing and whatever else that we do in bed. And then I'll get to like six o'clock in the morning and I'll wake up and I'll have like this heaviness in my chest, mm. like this heaviness. And it's all about wanting what was to some degree. And it's not even about like being really young because I know that pre-25 you know write it off yeah I did some pretty amazing things if you look back at my life pre-25 from the photographs to the traveling all over the yeah. world yeah bang on I did a lot of stuff and I had a lot of fun and most people don't do and didn't do the stuff that I got up to bearing in mind that I came from a family that didn't have money so I still managed to do things and fit a whole heap of stuff into that time and it was great but I was screwed up yeah. You know, I was a bit messed up when I traveled that straightened my head out. You know, I traveled, I kind of got my eating disorder in check. I worked things out and that was really, really healthy and helpful for me. But when I think about my life beginning, it was when I had my first child yeah. and it completely brought me into the present. It was like, you know, you can't think about anything but now when you've got young children, because one, you have to be with them in that way. But number two, it's like, everything is just exciting 
like everything from the moment that they wake up in the morning and like there is nothing cuter than young children when they're coming around you know I can like hold those memories of carrying particularly Evan who is my youngest downstairs every morning because unlike Tide and yeah I don't care if anybody's listening and judging me my kids had cups of tea from being very very young and my eldest and youngest still like a good cup of tea caffeine that's the way we roll in our family but he used to go downstairs with me and he'd be in my arms and I'd sit him there he had this blue sippy cup that he only ever wanted this blue sippy cup I've still got the blue sippy cup yeah and I would make him this cup of tea and we'd all be knackered and I was a single mum you know and it was just gorgeous and even the boys you know like Tide came and watched that film in our bedroom last night and he was chatting he was chatting about you know going to Curly Whirly as the soft play area and all the little things that seem to people with money, for example, like, why would that be exciting? You know, because there are bigger, better things to do. I had no money. I was a single mum. I was living on one income. It was as simple as that. And it was a low income at the time. And I had to make every penny count. So like Fridays, when I was off work, obviously I was running the mental health service for three days a week. And then I had Thursday and Friday yeah. off and on a Thursday we'd always do the same I'd go to Curly Whirlies which is like a soft play area after school and I'd take them each a cake I'd always do that and on a Friday I would get chips and we'd go to the park in the summer and if it wasn't the summer we usually I know this is going to be really bad to any health conscious people out there but we'd go to McDonald's on a Friday night and uh, we would have two fries and a happy meal because we're vegetarian and it was just so lovely and it was just tiny and small and I think I'm at that point where that's what I miss I miss really the ghosts of my babies Mm. and that space that they filled I don't want to not have that and it's that thing where I still feel so young but then I'm looking at my biology my biology is kind of counter that idea it's kind of at a different stage yeah it's really hard I I, I guess there'll be a lot of um, mums listening that I'll be able to completely empathize and relate to what you've been saying there through you know not just the waking up in the morning with a heavy chest yeah i'm okay after i get yeah yeah i know but not just uh, mothers i think females and men you know men and women Mm. alike could be there'll be a lot of people that do get that sort of anxiety in the morning you know um whether how how old you are it doesn't really matter but i do get the getting to this age now when you you wake and you sort of and you um you know think to yourself what am, what am I doing what you know how have I got here I just mm. blinked I was 16 a minute ago I blinked and now I'm you know 40 odd um but yeah it's just uh but I guess with the mothers as well of single mothers of really relate to what you just said there as well about you know but you're an inspiration really there's this, I, I think you are two four four women especially for single mothers like you brought two young boys up by yourself well, I had help with my mum and dad. They were always there yeah, for me. Yeah, but you're the That's bottom, the thing, you, know. you see. That's the other thing. I just think part of it as well is that as my parents get older, I'm aware of endings. I'm so much more aware of endings. Yeah. And getting... I look at them and I'm like, oh my God, like I love them so much. And like for any parent out there, you know, we sometimes underestimate the power that we have in our children's lives so I kind of because of my understanding of my parents and how important they are I look at my children and know that I am like the most important person right now in their life obviously when they meet girls I'm going to be like slightly less important and maybe I'm on a par with the PlayStation at the moment but there is something (laughs) about my parents like 
the idea of them not being there, like I keep every single one of the messages and I keep every single one of the voicemails because I know one day I'm not going to hear the voices. And it's ridiculous because you know what? This is human and this is what happens. And you know what? You undertake to do it joyfully. You lose, but you undertake to do it joyfully. And that's something that I think I'm starting to process. And don't get me wrong. I know that one of the greatest things about my life has been my family and I'm so lucky and so many people are not that lucky. So many people have lost their mums or dads. So many people have got terrible relationships with their parents. You know, so many kids are let down. You, to some degree, with respect, were let down, I think. As much as I get on really well with your parents, you were 16 and they asked you to leave. I mean, I think that's terrible parenting. I think it's awful. I think that's where a lot of your safety and security and neediness issues come from. (laughs) And and that's not being cruel. Needy Pete. (laughs) One of the things that I think that I've given you in our relationship is that sense of safety. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah. Apart I mean, from, I just, apart I just from when of, I'm really angry with you, and then I'm like, I'm not going to give you it anymore. I'm going to yeah. take it away. I'm going to divorce you. Yeah, but it's very I'm rare. Like, I'm going to stick myself to you with glue. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. stick myself to you with glue. I just won't leave. I'll just on your shoe. I'm going to turn blue. Like and yeah, yeah, but I was, um, I just sort of got on with it. I just, um, you know, just sort of thought, right, okay, then I'll take this opportunity to do nothing but get high. And um, I did that, you know, which. Oh, you know, that, that, I mean, my parents, yeah, they just thought that buying me food every few weeks would, was, was the, uh, the... I just can't imagine that. Like, I just remember that I always thought that my home was a haven, even when me and my mum weren't getting on when I was, like, younger. And I struggled with that. And again, it was all mostly me. With yeah, you were allowed to go back, though. See, I wasn't. Oh, my God, I wasn't just I went, allowed. I went back to once for a couple of weeks. Yeah, to go again. I wasn't allowed um, to go back. I was ex- expected to go back, yeah, you well, know. And whenever I went anywhere... My mum and dad would visit me like when I moved to Swansea and mm. I was there for a period of time. My dad would visit me. My mum would visit me. Me and my mum like would go to Three Cliffs Bay, which is like a beach. And we would just drink a bottle of red wine and just natter. And we just had so much fun. And yet when I'd been at home, there was a lot more fractures. But I moved back when my dad had a breakdown and we got on really, really well. And I would move back tomorrow. You know, I always say to you, you know, I've always got that sense of being able to go home. Yeah. But I do think that attachment, when you kind of look full stop through psychology, attachment is some of the reasons why people have the biggest issues, you know? kind of look at all the theories and kids who are brought up with a secure attachment to their parents and like feel fully loved and fully invested in, they just fare a lot better in life. Yeah, you see that, don't you? I mean, my, my I, I felt like the, the friends I had, you know, I'm still friends, I'm still, you know, not in contact with my friends. I am sort of in contact with a lot of them, you know. Um, I still have people, you know, that I'm sort of in contact with through Facebook and stuff like that, that I, I class them, like the, the small group of friends that I as had. As your family? As my family, yeah. yeah. Especially from... When I joined the school in, in Saltburn or Huncliffe School there in a place called Somewhere I'm From, which I've mentioned before in the other podcasts, uh, there was a group of, you know, hip hop and, you know, it was really sort of, you know, quite cool, you know, and they, they're they there for a long time. The group of friends we passed from one to each other, we were all still, everybody knew each other, you know. They're, they were more like family, really, because I was spending so much time with them and doing... You know, and the memories I have were just fantastic. The laughs, you know, and yeah. it was just, you know, if you just capture that in a bottle and just keep it, and every now and then it's open it to just check out, which obviously it's in med, so it's memories, but. I think yeah. I just took a lot of risks because I was secure. 
Yeah. So it was kind of like, I always knew that if I failed, I'd be okay because I could fall and I'd still be caught. Yeah. And I always knew that I could go out of my way and take risks because somebody would always make sure that yeah. I was safe in the end. And that I, made I, me do what yeah. I did. I, I didn't feel pushed really with, with, with the things I was into. I think if I got pushed with the things I was, because I went to art college off my own back because I wanted to go there. You yeah. Know, um, went back a couple of times, did all right with that. But that was just because that's what I wanted to do. But I was never pushed within that. It was... You've got to, you know, I don't know. Oh, no, God, your parents that's your passion. so play that's it safe, passion. aren't they? Just follow your passion, you know. Mm. Um, it just don't play it safe, isn't it? I, think I wish I'd have the opportunity to play instruments. I never had the opportunity to play. Yeah. I always wanted to. That's the only thing my parents let me and my brother down on because like, my brother's an amazing guitarist and he's amazing at melodies. Yes, yeah. And I used to sing and we'd be like, mum and dad, listen to this. And then they'd just talk over us the entire time. So we know it was like, well, if our parents don't want to listen to us, not a lot of chance that people mm. out there are going to listen to us. That's what we should say yes to. I mean, I started playing the piano, so I know a little bit of piano. You're good at the piano. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's you know, I want to learn guitar. Yeah, Ash is so good at guitar. No. That's my maybe brother. It's a, maybe it's a yes. Maybe maybe you should learn the French horn. And <laughs> yeah, that's right. The French horn is definitely the kind of the tuba. When you think Emma about the tuba. When you think about a kind of <laughs> instrument, it's straight for the tuba. Straight for it's it. It's called the biggest instrument. That's it. The Swiss horn. Or oh, the banjo. Oh. The banjo. We should. We should do it. We should. No, we're not doing that. Not the banjo. I'm, I'm saying no. I mean, banjos are really expensive. I'm saying no to it anyway. And we have to go to a banjo. I used to play the violin. Banjo and leather shop. I got up to grade five on the vi- violin. Banjo and gun shop. Mm. Did you? I did. I got up to grade five. <laughs> Hmm. Let me tell you, I'll be honest with you, I genuinely know that the teacher was absolutely faking the results because I definitely was not a grade five at all. I was terrible. I had to sing in it and everything. You had to sing whilst you were doing it. Did you? In front of 3,000 people? Shut up. No, I didn't have, it wasn't you, P. I didn't get dragged into my town hall with apparently 3,000 people in there to sing in front of 5,000 people. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> but no, I think I'm definitely at that stage where I think a lot of women go through it. I just think it's that you still feel like encapsulated in your youth and aware of what you would like, but at the same time, you're kind of time limited and you know that maybe you have to make changes to those plans. Yeah. That's really hard. I don't want to let go of it. I do think, you know, I mean, I think if I was around in the suffragettes, I'd have been like a sympathizer for them. I'd have been a suffragette male, you know, because I do think that women have it a lot harder. I was saying it this morning to you that the, the girls and women do have it a lot harder in life from, from varied subjects, from obviously the work and the gender pay gap and all that stuff that's in the news at the moment. But I just think from, you know, the, the get, like you were saying, the getting old thing, the, you know, there's, there's obviously the, 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 there's that film, the Billie Jean King thing, the, the, the male chauvinist, uh, men are better than women, we're stronger than women, we're faster than women, we're better than we don't, you know, there's no time, that's where we get paid more in tennis. And that, so there's like, that sort of subject there can lead over to all of it, can't mm. that, that men think, you know, just because women are different makeup and that, you know, they're made differently, they're the better. It's ridiculous. It's Well, it is considering women are the creators of men. Well, exactly. But also the age thing, like you're saying, like men grow old. Oh, he's growing old gracefully. Look, he's got his grey hair. He's, you know, he's Yeah, he's it's the fact that you get to a point. Men are just different. Yeah, you just, get to a point where, like, you have never been more multifaceted. You've never been more wise. Yeah. You've never been more able to deal with trouble and problems and concerns. And at that very point, point where people should be really appreciating you more 
you actually start to lose your visibility. And don't get me wrong, as a woman, it's not about the way I look that worries me too much because I know, for example, I can sit around with no makeup on and my hair everywhere and you still love me and will love me whatever. And it's the same with all of my family. There's no issue with that. So I know that whilst the world outside won't reflect my worth in that way, that I get that enough here it's more about the fact that there are all these women out there with all of this incredible intrinsic ability and yet for some reason the media and the mainstream just start to ignore it Mm. almost like the thing that trumps the very wisdom that our society requires is youth and beauty that freaks me out because that doesn't happen to guys. It doesn't. It doesn't happen to guys. I know. And it's the same when you see on TV, somebody, let's say, from a reality TV show with very little presenting ability. They look a little bit stupid. Maybe they can't pronounce words correctly, but they're very pretty and they fit a t- type of demographic, right? And they'll be put in front of the camera and they'll sound terrible, but they'll get it. But they'd never put a guy in that position because men are to be seen as more intelligent and more able. And it's ridiculous. So that kind of stuff really is bothering me at the moment. I've noticed actually that there's a thing in the news today, I think, of the the BBC are really onto this uh, situation of of making it 50-50 women and men. And they're starting to uh, look at that and get more women uh, not just newsreaders and reporters, but in topical just programs to be as well. It's ridiculous, though, isn't sorry, it? Should that even be on? The, it should just be happening anyway. But it isn't going to happen. You know, um, you have you have to do that. That's why people get peed off when you talk about PC, and I get peed off with certain PC stuff. When it comes down to equality and opportunity, it's just ridiculous that you know it still counts that if you're a white, good-looking male who's tall, you're going to do better than anybody else in our society. It's just insane, just based on perception. But I don't know, I'm just at that point where I kind of know that the answers will come and I know that there's no way I can fight it. But I do really empathise and significantly acknowledge now that as a woman coming up to middle age, that definitely changes opportunity. And certainly for me, I'm in the media. So the fact that I'm in the media, again, that's another thing that reinforces it. It's another thing that kind of goes, all right, well, you know, time limited. And you speak to anybody in the media who's, you know, over 35 even, let alone over 40, and they will talk about the fact that it becomes more and more difficult, even though you have more and more experience. That's what really drives me insane. It's the fact that if you have more experience, surely that makes you more worthy, more capable, more able. But no, it just, again, is trumped by youth and beauty. And that is something that I struggle with. Yeah. I'll tell you what else has made me laugh this week, though, completely separate to this, and I've just got to bring it in. Are shoehorning it in? I'm shoehorning it in, right? But one of my followers got in touch because they'd been on one of my YouTube channels where some of my stuff's hosted. And I did... Britain's Darkest Taboos for seven seasons. And that was my show that I was in all the way through. And these people have just gone on there and basically written loads of really nasty shit about me, yeah, which is just hilarious to read. It's hilarious. 
But one of the comments is, oh my God, she just ruins this program for me. And you're like, hey, in series one, was it not enough to put you off? Like, what are you on series six for, you know? Yeah, but what makes me laugh is these people don't have any profile pictures. They don't have any profiles. They don't have, they have, oh, and you look at the comments that they've done on other channels and it's just like, all they do is just go on there. They have, they have, more time in the world, literally, to just go on. I just, right, I'm really, they might as well just go on there and go, I'm really upset with myself in life, but what I have to do is project it onto other people who are in the media, hashtag, I'm a knobhead. I don't know, I just think it's really funny, though, the idea that you could go through all of the episodes know, and be yeah. like, episode one, yeah. oh, I really don't like this woman. Yeah. Episode two, oh, oh, I really don't like this woman. Yeah. <laughs> Series six, yeah. oh, God, she's still annoying me. It's yeah. like, don't watch Come them. on, Karen, just f- fast forward the bit that Emma Kenny's in. Yeah, you know, know it really so gets on my tits funny. when people do that sort of stuff. It's like... You know, but isn't it weird, though? That's the thing about, like I said, firm foundations and resilience. I don't give a crap. I can get less. You, know, no. you can call me the way like I something. look. You can call yeah. the way I sound. You can tell me whatever. But the thing is, that doesn't bother me. But if you don't like something, don't watch it, for God's sake. Oh, don't, it's funny. Just pop, don't flick no, it. No, do watch it. Magazine. I like the fact I'm annoying you. <laughs> yeah. I'm loving it. Yeah. I love the fact that you've put yourself yeah. through that. If you think that, that if, if, if you get annoyed in series one, just wait till you get to series four. Yeah. <laughs> when she's in it loads. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Fast forward to series four, Jeff, whatever your name is. Look at all the other things I mean, so you could be equally annoyed in those as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm loving that. Yeah. I, it's wonderful. Tell you what, why don't you download these podcasts or even watch them on YouTube, mate? You know, absolutely. Because I mean? then you can have sort of your eyes full of Emma Kenny, and you can see that she's just talking all the time. <laughs> I love it, mate. I think. Well, I mean, the way you wind people up, wind them up if they don't like you, it's just like you just it's don't get so it. So funny. But yeah, people with enough with more time in their hands that go trolling people, it's just it's just just sad. So, well, you know what, you know, though? It's democratic, isn't it? it Idiots is. can have access to it these days, and I think that's one of the yeah. things that people do. It's really strange because the last week has been so weird for us, hasn't it? It's been very weird. We, like, oh, we're not going to go into the content of really what happened this week, but suffice to say, it was pretty mental. Yeah. And involved us searching. But anyway, we will tell you about that in the next few months. But again... I'll say this though. It is like a cross between the programme Hunted, Crime Watch, bit of the bill put in there and, I don't know... Crime Stoppers. Crime Stoppers, Literally Crime Stoppers. But when you kind of think about that, even that, I think that's all about people going through... Existential, existential crises yeah. I really do Absolutely. I think that like you get to a certain age like 40 I think is a, a age where you suddenly recognise that you're not a kid yep. you know you're really not a kid you remember when you were like 14 a 40 year old yeah. was basically dead I'm only just coming out of the phase of thinking I'm not a kid yeah <laughs> so you kind of get Pan. to that stage and then you can't help being reflective about the past, even yeah. though you can't change it and you know all of that, you've got no control over it, so live in the present. I'm completely with that. But you can't help but kind of go, you know what, it was great. And nobody really told me to remember how great it all was. You know, nobody really said, you know what, just just count your blessings. Yeah. Every day that you're young, just like love it, embrace it enjoy it acknowledge it and keep it somewhere safe you know don't worry about tomorrow don't worry about the job you're gonna do don't worry about any of that because you'll find it you'll find your way i wish that that had happened and to some degree i've still been fine and i've done okay but it's that sense of oh 
life is fleeting. It's mm. momentary. And like, obviously losing my best friend last year, just literally a year ago, that to some degree, again, she was my parallel. Like she was my absolute parallel yeah everything we were going through we were going through together like i was going to grow old with her you know she used to send me cards with two old ladies on it drinking gin and was like it's our future and she was always going to be with me she was going to remind me it was okay she was going to reflect my age in her age and we were going to travel and transition together and since she's gone i kind of feel like i'm freewheeling and i don't really know where i'm going yeah i guess i guess i guess you'd would feel that, wouldn't you? It's really strange. And that's the other thing about as you get older, friendships change. You know, like I don't really have that many solid friends in the Northwest. Like in mm. London, I would say I've got some like decent friends and yeah. evolving friendships, particularly with really strong women that I'm really interested in exploring, but it's in London. So it's kind of not something that's substantial enough to make me feel like I've got connections that exist mm. that are strong. I do find that um, throughout life, sort of, you, you do get drawn... Um, some sort of energy, I think, just it draws you to the similar sort of type of people, mm. you know, and you do stay in touch with the similar people that that are just like yourself, you know, you feel like you can, you know, know, because as you say, I think in life there's two sets of people, isn't there? There's assholes and not assholes, you know, and, and sometimes you come across some bizarre people. I know, but know. I just don't feel like I've got that many friends around here. No, no, I mean, I don't, I don't. So as much know. as like what you're saying, I think is true. I don't really think I reflect that at the moment because again, like oh, my main, be, yeah. my main yeah. friend was like is dead. Well, maybe that's why because you know it is the area where you grew up, and you know your main friend was the main friend that you had. You she know, was all and, I needed, really. Yeah, and also uh, I totally get that. That and my family, because yeah. obviously my brother's a friend and yeah. my sister's my really good friends. So. I mean, as you know, I have friends, but it's just. Um, I mean, it's just quite, you know, I do sort of envy people that have got that best friend still at this, this age and or maybe one or two best friends that they all do things together. I, I think I'm a bit jealous no, of I'm that. No, I'm jealous yeah. of that. You know, it's like, because I've got I you, am. obviously. I'm I've got of that. you and the boys and you, you are my, when it comes out to the best friends, it's sort of, you know, you're my, my wife, my lover, I'm a best friend. So it's, you know, but the, discounting that, it's. Yeah. Yeah. You get like people that have just got this connection with somebody and they're just, they both have equal respect, you know. I've had a lot of friends, but I've never really had that equal respect towards me. You know, I've always been that sort of giver in a way that I'd, uh, unless I'm totally blinded, you know, and I'm not, I haven't been, and I'm just, I'm just a true just asshole. Just nobody likes Yeah, you. everybody hates me, and I'm just a bell end who just like, you know. It's a strange one though, isn't it? It all comes down to age. It all comes down to age. Mm. And I kind of like think about what would change it. And part of it is just getting outside of that whole Western experience. So just feel dominated at the moment by Western experience, you know, capitalism and paying bills and all of that stuff. And like, there's a part of me that just kind of doesn't want to do that. The rat race. Yeah. Like I said, you know, we often watch videos, don't we? And we'll be like, oh, wow, you know, let's go and give it all up and live off grid. And there's a part of you that just would really like invite that and would love that because it kind of disputes that whole idea of what we need to make us happy. And kind of there's a sneaking suspicion within it that you know that that would make you feel happier. But 
because I've got children who've been brought up in this environment, if I said to the kids now, what we need to do is just pack everything up, we'll go and live in like Western Australia or something and like yeah. start our own like little commune, oh they'd be gosh. like, mum, what are you taking? <laughs> that's actually another thing though that's really thrown me this week because even though we're meant to be saying yes, I've not suggested this. So this week I spoke to my doctor because I have a prolapse disc in my back, which mm. is just painful. It's painful. It's as simple as that. And there's basically nothing they can do for it, really. I've just got to exercise and kind of take care of myself, right? So they've given me painkillers and I don't like overuse painkillers, but I have been taking four a day. And they basically rang me, didn't they, to check because it's a quite a strong painkiller. So they want to make sure that I'm not, you know selling it on the street to kids because apparently you, know, you can do that with this stuff. Obviously, that's what we do. Obviously, that's what we do. Yeah. Uh, well, we don't. Because there's kids we, lined we don't, up yeah. down the street. We don't sell it with ourselves. T-shirts on the same. Painkillers. We, we, we give it the kids Wanted to sell. painkillers. No, give it the kids to sell. We don't, we don't deal. We don't, we don't do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> we give it to the kids We give to it to sell. our kids. They yeah. sell it to their So friends. technically, we, yeah, you'd, you'd be dealing, wouldn't that's you? Right. To the kids who then sell it to the kids. Yeah, it's just a pound, a pound yeah. pill. Like, um, we're the head of the chain. We're like, we're like the mafia. Yeah, that's right. So hence why Pete's wearing the shirt today. But... On a serious note, so I he, I get this phone call and like my doctor goes on and on about like kind of why they want me to moderate this drug, which I'm already moderating it to the point which they're happy with. But he was like, there's another drug that you can take. And I just like, all right, cool. You know, he said it mm. deals with the nerve synapses. It's, <coughs> not, it's not meth. <laughs> he basically said, you know, it's a way of like turning off the pain before it becomes pain. Yeah, so it's like superhero. So obviously I was like, yeah, give me some of that, you know, yeah. have a look at that. And we got it, didn't we? It's called pregabalin. Now, if you're listening and you've got severe anxiety and you're taking this drug and it's working for you... Or you're epileptic. Then power to you because you should definitely do whatever makes you happy and works. But I have backache. Mm. I do not want a drug for epilepsy that is synonymous with issues around brain neuropathy and an idea that actually I could be altering mm. my brain chemicals. But it also stops your thinking uh, patterns and stuff as well. It slows you down. makes you drowsy. Yeah. And, and one of the ones that I noticed, first of all, was that it's not vegetarian. It's not vegetarian. And also it makes you what? put on weight. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, what have we got to in our society where the way of dealing with something like this is mm. to give something else that is pretty serious as a drug like literally over the phone I know it I was giving it over the phone and all it did was make me go ah oh, I'm going to cut down my painkillers to two a day and I'm going to exercise yeah. more it's as simple as I know that. that I know the doctors are overstretched and stuff like that but for even the, the vegetarian option the veg, even that to me was uh, uh, quite insulting that they hadn't checked your notes to realise that you were vegetarian how the hell do they not know you're vegetarian it's your doctors yeah, you know what I mean? I mean? Like, it's, no, I know you're saying that, but for some people who are really staunch on it, that's a massive insight. It's like something they've never eaten meat all their lives, and all of a sudden they're taking these things and they realise there's a bloody gelatine in the capsule. It's like it's not right. I don't. I'm sorry, but people who eat meat all their lives call me a dickhead. You know what I mean for saying this? But it's just like, well, you know, people have their own rights to be able to choose what they want to eat and what they don't want to eat. You know? Yeah, there must but be I mean, an option which... at the end of the day, he was just thinking about my pain. But why would I want to take a drug? Oh, yeah, it's for well, epileptic. Thinking people. about your pain, but not your weight and your bloody, you know. Your, I know. Especially the job you do. It's you know, it's so all about thinking. Weird. And, you know, 
I'm like so freaked out. Let's that make your old like sort of dozed out and stuff. Modern and... medicine is just crazy. Mm. So like all I'm going to do now is say yes to loads of like really cool stuff like acupuncture and reflexology yeah. and massage. I'm well, going to get a massage, yes to that. A massage table and we're going to... Yeah, in the, in the aim of being thrifty, Pete's going to become my masseur. So the existential crisis that you're having, do you think that it, it's what the difference is between men and women that have it because some people say that men when they're having like a midlife crisis so you say an existential, existential crisis that they go out and buy a, a Harley Davidson or they go and clean themselves I think they're the same and, you think they're the same hmm. yeah so, I just think that one of them is interpreted quite negatively because I think a midlife crisis sounds really bad but a midlife awakening sounds really good. Yeah. And when guys go out and buy sports cars and get young girlfriends, I think that's more to do with that thing that I've been talking about, which is that desire to be young still. Yeah. Do you not like think that the fact that you haven't had your own children, do you not find that something that causes you any kind of pain? Oh, absolutely. You have the thoughts that are just like, you get the thoughts of, that's, that's the end of me. It's the end of my sort of bloodline, you know. Um, there's no more of me. I'm the last one. I'm the end and the done. I had this conversation with your brother, actually. And he was saying it's, it's, he's not really bothered with that, he says. Um, but, no, it bothers me quite a lot. And I do think about that quite often, you know. It's, uh, you go through a stage where you... you I have been through the stage where I don't, didn't really mind. One children. You didn't want kids when you no, met me. No, you know, I think that's just... I think that comes down to being around kids all the time when I was young. You know, I, I really do. I put it down to that because I remember having those feelings since then. You know, I never really... I don't know. I never, I've never really had the, the thought of having children. I just wanted, cause I, maybe it was because I wasn't sussing myself out or I wanted to know where I went. I wasn't sorted myself. You know, I wasn't stable enough to... To bring a child into the, you know, people have children from the age of bloody 13, don't they? You know, like young mothers and stuff. But um, thank God I didn't do that. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad I didn't have children with my ex-wife because that would have just been highly unfair on, on the child or the children, you know, because of the, the, the situation that happened. I just think it would have been totally unfair. Um, it's a little bit different with you because they have you and you're very well stable and balanced, you know, and it's just you're a good mum. Um, but yeah, do, uh, then it, it has. Does that not like keep you up at night sometimes? Though, thinking, oh, yeah, I, do, I, I do, haven't yeah. had children. And Absolutely, like... and it scares me to know that um, I've never had the opportunity to. Um... Well, we have. We've lost loads. Yeah, we have. Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> abso yeah, absolutely. Miscarriage. It's not like another opportunity. We've 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 tried and tried and tried. I know. Um, I think that's the other thing as well. I think that's another thing that kind of reflects where I'm at because of the fact that you kind of think to yourself. There's always the next time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when we got pregnant and miscarried and then got pregnant and miscarried, it was always that sense of, but it's okay. Yeah. Because it'll happen again. Yeah, we'll Even try though again, I like, really struggled to conceive and we had IVF, I got pregnant. And, and it's like, oh, that's yeah. now a point where I'm thinking, I am too old. Yeah. I mean, that's a big subject, isn't it? The big IVF lie. <laughs> oh my <laughs> we, God. We got, we got sucked into that one. Um, I really to... feel for people who haven't had children and they're on that roller yeah, coaster. Yeah, it does, it does um, feel like, you know, you're not alone, because I know I'm not alone. I have you and the, uh, the boys, which I am their father anyway. So it's just. I know it's legacy, not... though, isn't it? Yeah, there's no legacy there. And, and there's. Uh, well, there will be when you've got grandchildren. Grandchildren will be legacy. 
Yes. Because not, you'll be granddad. Yeah, I'll be you'll granddad. Be granddad. So you're, yeah, there'll be no blood, but it doesn't really, you don't really, with your grandparents, you don't think about it as blood, do you? Until you start going into no, ancestry just granddad. bloodlines. Because you know, I'm still in the ancestry bloodline because of the marriage, you know. Mm. But um, also, to be fair, you are far more a father to my children than mm. their father is. And that's no discredit to my ex-husband. He just yeah. is like very rarely in their life. You know, yeah. wise hours a week as opposed to all the time. You wake them up, you get them a dinner, you sort the tea out, you do all the running to school, you take them wherever they need to go. They call you first and yeah. that's it. So you are the father. There is no doubt about it. And it's an interesting one because when you watch Jerry McHale... I don't watch Jeremy Kyle, by the way, but I may occasionally have seen it. We've seen it a few times. I've seen a few where, um, actually, I think I went through a phase, didn't I, for a few months of actually watching it. You did. You went through a phase of watching, was it online? I well, can't the remember, thing is, you watched, again, you watched Catch Up. You watched it on it Catch Up. It was Catch Up. And remember why? It was my theory that if I watch people who are really messing their life up, mm. then I just feel better about my life, which is awful to say. But that's why I also read Take a Break magazine and pick me up. You know what? I think there'd be a lot of people that watch it because of that. They you like know, to see car crash it kind of makes me go, well, I'm okay. Don't yeah. worry about it. This isn't too bad. But, I was watching that and he regularly refers to guys, excuse me, I'm yawning. So he'll regularly refer to guys who are bringing up another person's child and the children will call them dad. And Jeremy Kyle will be like, they're not, mm. you shouldn't be called dad. You're not the And I, I want to get Jeremy Kyle and I want to pull his head off. Yeah. I want to pull his head off and I want to go, do you know, well, obviously I wouldn't say anything after I pull his head off. Oh yeah, because if you pull his head off, it'd be yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. Carnage. Um, mm. But also it would be satisfying to have pulled his head off. But nonetheless, I can't pull his head off. One, I'm a woman and I'm definitely not strong enough to do that. I would need yeah, some help. Strong to pull a head off. I'm not even sure you can literally pull a head off either. I don't know. I imagine, I imagine there's, I, I don't know whether it's the area that it may be. Would it be? Because I have this vision of you pulling his head off now. It's, yeah. yeah. Like, I think, no, I think, I, I reckon you, if you're strong enough, you'd probably <laughs> pull someone's head off. Oh God, you think? I reckon if you're like <laughs> muscly and like really it. like big and that, you know, and you've got them like and putting your legs like a vice hold oh, and like oh, no. pull no. his head off. No, that'd be terrible. Anyway. You asked, so I mean. Anyway, I I'm not going to pull Jeremy's head off. Um, but he, he has to go to people. And I'm like, if you're bringing a kid up and you're paying for that kid and you're there for that kid all the time, 24-7, why would you not be called dad? Yeah. You know? Absolutely. It's insane that what sperm dictates that you get the title dad forget it action has nothing to do with that it's ridiculous it, it is, really yeah. really pees me off yeah i mean i i um I, it's, it's funny because with our boys um because of the, the photos and the memories and the videos and everything we chat and talk and everything about it i feel like i was there yeah you know um, when you're little obviously I, I wasn't there to get up and feed them and do all that sort of stuff but i do feel like I was there because of the, the memories that have been instilled and installed into me from the, the chat and the discussions and all the stuff I just said. Um, but yeah, there's a big part of me that just sort of thinks, you know, the blood sort of child, enough, the, the, the baby that, that we've tried for isn't there, you know. And, mm. and, and, um, but then you have to sit and you think to yourself, because like at the moment I'm like, oh, well, I'd love more children. I would absolutely love more children. But then there's that part of me which is like, but then they get so many years less than my other children and that's not fair. But then you kind of think to yourself, but like, is that just a ridiculous scenario? You know, because actually, like you said the other day, people die when their kids are like three and four, you know, and my thing is just knowing though, because I like go on forums. This is really sad. Like, this is like so sad that I'm admitting this, but I go on forums and like read about mums 
um, of well, I read about children's experiences as they grow up with older mums. Yeah. And like, there are some really positive ones, but a lot of them are kind of like, I'm really scared of the fact that my mum's old or my dad's old. And it's like, oh mm. gosh, what yeah. did you do? Well, that's another thing, isn't it? That's the, the, that comes to the um, thing that's different for men and women. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's men that can... Have them keep, at like keep 70. Going. Yeah, you know, it's, as long as the sperm works, it might not be the best, but they can pick out the best one or the best one can get through there, you know. I've thought but of all the billions of, there is. A lot of women are doing that now, though. A lot of women are having babies in like 50s, even 60s. Yeah. But it's kind of that thought of, well, would you like to not be around for your children as they get older? Yeah. And I don't want to not be around for my children as they get older. I want to be the thing that they come home to all the time. You know, yeah. I'm planning that all of the families move in with me. We've already, yeah, we already know that. This is the whole point. Yeah, we'll We've extend been, our house. Absolutely. They're all going to live with us. We're going to rock it like people do in Asia. Yeah, we all live together. We've got a big enough, big enough garden to put tents in. Absolutely. Yurts. Yeah, we'll yurts, put some yurts even. in and we'll... You know, they'll, they'll survive. Teepees, yurts. Do you remember when we stayed in a yurt at Glastonbury? We did stay in a yurt at Glastonbury. It's terrible. It's very, you know, it's it, they call it glamping and they call it, you know, posh camping. It was awful. And we were in the what? VIP area, weren't we? Yeah, and it's still, it was just like... the Pete was photos. playing, by the way. It wasn't that we were just like... It wasn't like I was given some free... He was actually working there. I just went with him. But yes. it was like awful. Yeah. It was awful. It was it was billed as like you know we'll stay behind the radio on stage in the radio on area and we'll uh, the the tents are like he's the photo of the tent it's brilliant double bed da 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 you know what I mean was it bollocks it was just it's a terrible. it was just a tent like a tent from an American a Civil War reenactment yeah, it was. <laughs> with a blow up with bed. a blow up bed and some some like um, solar panel bloody. Fairy lights that didn't work. So weird. Yeah. Do you was... remember as well, like the fact that we were meant to have decent toilets and showers? Yes, and we had. Uh, I went to the toilet like and khaki. somebody had pooed on the seat, yeah. and it was a whole poo. They must have squatted <coughs> on there and pooed, and it was literally on the seat. curled up yeah. on the seat. Do you remember I had to take like disinfectant yeah. and stuff We'd to have the toilet? Stuff. Yeah, it was. It was hilarious because yeah. when we set off, do you remember? <laughs> yeah. We set off and you were packing and I was like, where's the bucket? And you were like, Emma, we don't need a bucket. I was like, you don't think we need a bucket, but by the end of it, you're going to know it. I didn't know, know what it. the bucket was for. I thought, what do we need a bucket for? Rubbish. Yeah, no. well, I'll tell it you what. It's a toilet. For, yeah, for anybody who's going to go camping or to Glastonbury, I, yeah, take a bucket. Take a it bucket. It is a lifesaver, especially when you've been partying a lot and you need the toilet quite a bit. It is a lifesaver, literally. We it genuinely, really genuinely used that bucket beyond belief. It was amazing. Yeah, it was. It was fantastic, <laughs> you know. Um, I can still remember you were next to Seth Troxler. Yeah, well, could he, could he, uh, it was just, he was just chattering for ages and ages and ages. Just, just like, and he must have been because this tent's laid there, so I was laid. He's a house he DJ. Have, He's yeah. a house DJ for anybody who doesn't know, which is probably most of you. Yeah, and, and he must have been, because when you're in tents, it's quite close, I know, so theirs is quite close, so he must have been laid, like, like parallel to me where I was laid. That's so funny. Because he, he was just chatting away, and it's just, you know... Because I remember as well, hello, got a child walking into our podcast. Yeah. Yes, we have got a child walking into our podcast. Where are you going? I'm going to ask for a lift. Yeah, five minutes. Yeah, five minutes. Five minutes. Cool. Um, so you were next to Seth Trotsler and do you remember the fact that we kind of met his manager? 
Yes, I do And his remember. manager, we were chatting, and then, like, the next morning, I was walking with a bucket <laughs> full of our entrails. <laughs> full of our entrails? I'll <laughs> oh, just get <kidding. laughs> Full of our entrails. <laughs> and... Our entrails. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. The arinids. Yeah. So that, that is a very, very, very sort of nice way of putting what was in the bucket. And I'm walking up there and then he met me and he's like, mm. hello, how are you? And then he just literally yeah. went, why are you carrying a bucket? <laughs> <laughs> and I just, and what did you say? I went, oh, I'm just going to do the washing up. <laughs> it's like, why would I go to the toilet with the washing up? I think he had a strong suspicion that what yeah. I meant was a pile of urine and yeah. other bodily fluids. But uh, it oh. was, I know, it was it was one of those things, wasn't it? Yes. Always take a bucket if you go in camping. I didn't really enjoy that. Uh, and I enjoyed playing. Five days was uh, too long. But it was just, yeah, you get there and you go hell for leather straight away. And it it was, was too long. And yeah. your card kept going, didn't it? My what? Your, excuse me. You remember that card that you put oh, in Oh, yeah, my um, USB thing, wasn't it? That it was, was terrible. No, no, it was, the, yeah, the, the sound card. That was sound card? Yeah. What a nightmare. Do you remember? The panic. Yeah, I couldn't it, believe it. It was awful. Yeah, that wasn't the uh, the best of... When something like that happens in the middle of a show... You had, like, 5,000 people listening to you. I know, that was funny. And then you can't yeah. What do you want to drink, Pete? Cider. Cider. Better than Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, Sauvignon. <laughs> I didn't drink anything that entire time. Didn't you? Didn't drink anything. No. I didn't have one alcoholic drink at Glastonbury. Yeah, it'd take a lot. It'd take a lot to get me back there, I think. I hated it. Yeah. I literally, I know if to anybody who loves it, I know there are loads of people out there who just absolutely live for things like Glastonbury. I hated it. Mm. I loathed every moment of being there. It yeah. was awful. Yeah. It was filthy. Like, they're inhuman. Let me tell you, right? Let me tell you, if I have one bugbear in my life, it's if you are an adult, why can you not sit on a toilet or use a toilet appropriately? Like, in my entire life, like, in my entire life, I have not gone in the toilet, missed the entire toilet, and just walked out after maybe throwing tissue on the floor at the same time. So, who does that? They're animals. Yeah, I mean, it's just the the same as um, people who get, I mean, there's there's loads of people listening, uh, of all uh, all the people listening out there are watching this, that are the same feeling of what I do when people, if you go to the toilet and there's people after you, people, you'd be, yeah, like, you can, you've you've got after to, yeah. people go to the toilet. You have to in. make it look all right. Yeah, and it's like, what? And then you go, in, you go into the toilet sometimes and there's fellas in there doing like certain things, like the way they go to the toilet and it's just like, who's brought Shouldn't you up? Shouldn't have been up? allowed to leave school. Yeah, who's brought you up? One of the basic principles before you should, you should, there should be tests. Yeah. You should not be allowed to leave school until you can appropriately use a lavatory. Yeah. It's disgusting. It's utterly disgusting. Yeah, there was, I was at the, uh, when we were out the other night. Was, do you know why it's it, disgusting as well? It's so disgusting that having a bucket is a better alternative. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I just don't get what some people, I just, it makes you think, my God, you know, if Who there was aliens up there looking up? at the human race right now, they, I mean, and they started looking at how people sort of conducted themselves within the, the lavatory area, they'd just be like, we're not going there. <laughs> well, until going. they saw us and they'd be like, oh, they're sensible. Yeah, we'll yeah. probably, probably abduct those ones. I just, I just don't get it. I just don't get 
like some people's uh, habits of, of going to the toilet. I know it would turn into toilet talk now, you know. Do you remember but, that, yeah. that year we were at Glastonbury, somebody fell through the, the oh, yeah, toilet. Through, somebody's fell One through of those, the like, drop the, toilets. The drop yeah. toilets, yeah, they're really the, eco-friendly ones. Yeah, Not yeah. eco-friendly if you end up knee-deep oh, in poo. God, imagine the diseases that you'd get. Oh, no, the horror, the absolute oh, horror. They had God. to come and hose him down, didn't That's they? That's like they had Victorian to disease time, isn't it? It's all rickets and oh. uh, trench foots and rat diseases and stuff. Rat so. diseases, don't eat a slug. Oh, yeah, that poor man, yeah. 18 years old, ate a slug, got rat wart, paraplegic, rat lung, lung, lung rat, whatever, rat, rat. Rat, rat lung worm or something. Something. You know, uh-huh. it, was just, it was just a dare from his mates. So, yeah, I mean, gosh, the stuff that you... you Stay know. away from slugs, kids. That's your life lesson for today. Yeah, absolutely. Don't do the dares that your mates tell you to do. You I've know? never done anything like that. I've known groups of people that have dared each other and gone, like, sort of crazy and done stuff, stuff you know, but... I mean, eating a slug was probably something which you thought was funny. Absolutely minging. Well, you obviously thought it was funny, but I mean, because you don't exactly know that you're going to get lungworm from a <laughs> rat lungworm, which will just call you, cause your brain to shut down and kill you. You know, it's, Ugh. it's utterly terrible. I've known guys do stupid things like eat that he washing up liquid but, stuff and powder but, and you know what I mean uh, that's, just, that's just, that no I've just, never done anything like that you know. I once sang to a security guard in a shopping centre as a dare yeah. that's knew, about the level yeah. I knew someone who nicked a cherry picker and went flying around the town with it <laughs> with his mates you know like on top of put it up you know and drove around with it oh, you know it's completely Again, I terrible done really that or rolled a plastic pig car down a road my car got nicked and rolled down the road yeah, once. Yeah. yeah, it was found at the bottom in a ditch. Like, who did that? <laughs> well, do you remember that? the plastic pig ones, the three-wheelers? Yeah. Robin Reliant. Yeah, of course Because they could roll easy. I used to like Robin Reliant. Did you? Somebody told me that it was 50cc and you could get one when you were 16. Yeah, someone told me that. It's a motorbike license. Yeah, that's what I got told. Yeah. So I wanted one. Is it? Parents wouldn't let me have one. Parents wouldn't let me get a scooter yeah. either. I wanted a scooter. I, I need to know now. I need someone to tell us if it is or yeah. not. Well, yeah, well, we can just Google it. We can, yeah, but it's much more fun if we get someone else to tell us. <laughs> I think it was like 50cc, if it was 50cc, it was cool. I don't think it is. I don't think you could, I don't think you no, could do that. because you're on a road, like in a car, it's a car. Yeah, but you can it? use a moped. Yeah. Ty's going to get a moped when he's 16. Can you pull a wheelie in a Robert and I, I wonder? You have to be quite heavy. Yeah, yeah, super nubbly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really, really but really. I, yeah, I, I wonder if it is a myth. I got told that it yeah. was a. I wonder if it's another maybe there's myth. like a person going around spreading it. Yeah, just like and he's driving it. Unsuspecting he's unsuspecting yeah, people. He's only sixteen. <laughs> it's all right, officer. I've got a, a motorbike learner's license. I'm Honestly, driving. it's so weird. But yeah, I remember that. I wonder whether it is an urban myth. Tune in next week when we disclose whether using a yeah. Robin Reliant 50cc on the road is legal for a 16-year-old. Yeah. Or whether it's an urban myth. It's an Life al- lessons it's with alter- repeat. It's an alternative urban myth compared to the sort of horrible urban myths you normally hear. Oh, urban myths. We'll have to do that another time, but we all know those urban myths. She pulled over and she saw a baby in the road, but it wasn't a baby. Oh, now I'm doing an impression. You did shoehorn an impression of Sarah Millican. Wasn't I? Was I know it's my it mum. It was your mum. <laughs> but it was because it's the kind of thing she'd tell me. Yeah. But it was a baby in the road and it wasn't, it was a doll. And she got in the car and she started to drive really fast because there was a car behind her yeah. flashing and flashing and flashing. And she thought somebody was after her. And she drove into her driving garage, by the way, driving yeah. garage. That's it. So uh, yeah. driving really fast. This car's still flashing her. It's somehow, the car that's behind her flashing her with her in front manages to be that far of a distance yeah. that while Steve Garage goes 
yeah. gets it in, closes it. They've not managed to catch her at this point. She runs in because she's got one of those doors that's in the garage. Yeah. She gets in the kitchen, has to close it. There's a knock on the door. The police are there, and it turned out that the guy flashing her had seen another man get in the car when she was looking at the pretend baby on the floor, and he would have murdered her if they hadn't found him locked in the garage. Oh, my God. That's an urban myth. Yeah. So many flaws in that story. Yeah, the urban myth as well of, like, um, when you see him on Facebook all the time, and they're like, uh, share this now and watch out when you go to the petrol stations because people are putting needles where you press the, the handle on the, the trigger of the petrol thing. They're, they're sticking needles with plasticine on there with AIDS in. <laughs> What? So there's a picture of like one of like with a needle from a hypodermic needle, you know, like just an end of a needle that's got AIDS on it, you know, and I, that's that's just a, no, that was a recent one that I just saw, you know. People are so weird. I think we should come back with some urban myths in our next podcast urban and see which one could be amazing. the weirdest. Right, we both have to find the best urban myth. Okay, that's a and challenge. And then figure out why we think it's not true. Yeah, that's a really good, good, yeah. Well, it's another end of a podcast. Thank you for joining me and Mr. Pete Smith. Join me next week where hopefully I might be midway through my existential crisis and or ideally will have found a way to rejuvenate my youth and return to 20 years ago. If that's the case, you probably won't hear from me again. But (laughs) thanks for listening, folks. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Take care, guys. Bye. -bye. Bye.